Once more, let us come before God in prayer. Let us pray. Holy God, may this word give us the power to comprehend with all the saints the length and width, the height and depth of the love of Christ and fullness of life that we receive from you. Thanks be to God for his word to us. Amen. First reading from the Old Testament, 2 Kings chapter 4, verses 42 to 44. A man came from Baal Shalishah, bringing food from the first fruits to the man of God, 20 loaves of barley and fresh ears of grain in his sack. Elisha said, give it to the people and let them eat. But his servant said, how can I set this before a hundred people? So he repeated, give it to the people and let them eat, for thus says the Lord, they shall eat and have some left. He set it before them, they ate and had some left, according to the word of the Lord. Second reading from Psalm 145. Verses eight, uh, 10 to 18 is a responsive reading. The words will appear on the screen. All your works shall give thanks to you, O Lord, and all your faithful shall bless you. They shall speak of the glory of your kingdom and tell of your power. To make known to all people your mighty deeds and the glorious splendor of your kingdom. Your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and your dominion endures throughout all generations. The Lord is faithful in all his words and gracious in all his deeds. The Lord upholds all who are falling and raises up all who are bowed down. The eyes of all look to you, and you give them their food in due season. You open your hand satisfying the desire of every living thing. The Lord is just in all his ways and kind in all his doings. The Lord is near to all who call on him, to all who call on him in truth. And from the New, the New Testament, Ephesians chapter 3, verses 14 to 21. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth takes its name. I pray that, according to the riches of his glory, he may grant that you may be strengthened in your inner being with power through his spirit, and that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, as you are being rooted and grounded in love. I pray that you may have the power to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and heights and depths, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, so that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who by the power at work within us is able to accomplish abundantly far more than we can ask or imagine, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. This the fourth reading from the New Testament, Mark 6, verses 30 to, 30 to 44. The apostles gathered around Jesus and told him all that they had done and taught. He said to them, 
Come away to a deserted place all by yourselves and rest a while. For many were coming and going, and they had no leisure even to eat. And they went away in the boat to a deserted place by themselves. Now many saw them going and recognized them, and they they hurried there on foot from all the towns and arrived ahead of them. As he went ashore, he saw a great crowd, and he had compassion for them because they were like sheep without a shepherd, and he began to teach them many things. When it grew late, his disciples came to him and said, This is a deserted place, and the hour is now very late. Send them away so that they may go into the surrounding country and villages and buy something for themselves to eat. But he answered them, You give them something to eat. They said to him, Are we to go and buy 200 denarii worth of bread and give it to them to eat? And he said to them, How many loaves have you? Go and see. When they had found out, they said, Five and two fish. Then he ordered them to get all the people to sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups of hundreds and of fifties. Taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven and blessed and broke the loaves and gave them to his disciples to set before the people. And he divided the two fish among them all. And all ate and were filled, and they took up twelve baskets full of broken pieces and of the fish. Those who had eaten the loaves numbered five thousand men. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God, to his word to us. Friends in Christ, what I say to you this morning is proclaimed in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. And so the story continues. As we've made our way through Mark's gospel this year, I've been struck by the chronological nature of these verses from Mark chapter 5 and 6. Each event follows upon the heels of another. It's not quite like reading Jesus' daytimer, but it's close. And I I don't know if I've ever really picked up on just how kind of close these stories are, following one upon the other. Jesus, in this, in this morning's lesson, it begins with the verses that we concluded last week, because you really need those verses to kind of put what is to follow, the feeding of the 5,000 into its proper context again. The, because these, these verses and the feeding speak to the needs of the people that Jesus encountered. Jesus' disciples called here apostles, and you may remember that from last week's sermon about being apostles. Jesus' disciples or apostles have just returned from their first missionary endeavor. He had sent them out two by two to heal the sick and cast out demons. And now now they are back. They're giving to Jesus an account of everything that they had accomplished. But they are, no doubt, exhausted, amazed, and overwhelmed. They have done much. They have experienced much. 
and they have seen so many new things, things that they did not believe that they themselves had the power to do. And they're simply drained, drained from that act of emptying themselves for other people. And so Jesus suggests to them that they withdraw from the crowds that are constantly around them so that they can have time to renew and refresh and recharge. Now, after these events, this missionary endeavor of the twelve, Jesus and the disciples can indeed go nowhere without the crush of a crowd. Even sneaking away to the lonely place for rest and prayer is an impossibility. Mark tells us that as Jesus and the disciples set off on the boat and crossed the lake to the other side, the crowd saw them going and they raced them to their destination. When Jesus arrives, Mark reports that Jesus had compassion for the people because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And he began to teach them many things. What does it mean to be a sheep without a shepherd? It means to be untended, uncared for, purposeless. There's a little um, Far Side fans in the house, the cartoons that used to show up in the newspaper. And there was one that just showed up on my Facebook feed this week, and it showed a group of sheep standing around at a party and one sheep turns to the other and says oh we don't know what to do we don't know who to talk to we don't know what snacks to eat and then at the door there's a border collie and the sheep goes oh good the border collie is here because it was the it, for those who are into sheep border collies uh, make their lives out of herding sheep. And so likewise, with to be without a shepherd is to be purposeless and to, be, to struggle for all that it means to kind of get your act together. Perhaps, too, that these people who were deprived of, of without, who were without a shepherd were deprived of justice. Because in the Old Testament, and especially from the book of Ezekiel, the image of the good shepherd as opposed to the wicked, wicked shepherds was used to describe the kings of Israel who ruled justly as opposed to those who did not. So all of this is in that background that we looked at, that we heard last week, but didn't touch on in great detail. And then we turn to, to today's edition, and Jesus feeds the 5,000. After this day of teaching, Jesus' disciples come with, to him with this very mundane problem. They have no food, and they are hungry. They and all of these people who have gathered around Jesus, what are they to do? A year's wages, the disciples say, wouldn't be enough to buy food for all of these people. And we're out here in the middle of nowhere. 
We can't send them back to town to buy their own food. What are you going to do? But Jesus turns to the disciples and he says, well, what do you have? And the disciples go back out into the crowd and return moments later with the report of five flat breads and two dried fish. And Jesus takes the bread, he breaks it, he gives it to the disciples to take out into the crowd, and the people, we are told, are fed. Indeed, they aren't just fed, but there's leftovers afterwards. But there is one other small word in the story. It's a word that we probably don't pay much attention to. Actually, in our pew Bibles, it's a couple of words, but that's that's a translation problem. In our pew Bibles, it says not just that they, the people ate, but they ate and they were filled. Or the Greek word that is used here, which actually implies not just that they were filled, but they were satisfied. It wasn't just that they kind of ate any meal to be full, but they had indeed enjoyed the most sumptuous meal that you can imagine. Not just did it fill their stomachs, but it filled their whole being with that sense of peace. They were satisfied. It's easy sometimes for us to be distracted in this story. When we hear this story about the feeding of the miracle, about the feeding of the 5,000, and to think it's simply a, a miracle of multiplication. How is it that Jesus feeds all of these people with five loaves and two fish? But the miracle of the feeding does not happen in isolation. It happens alongside Jesus' teaching that happened during the day before that. Those who had come hungering for rest, those who had come hungering for peace, those who had come hungering for hope and who also hungered for food are fed and they are satisfied. What about you? Are you satisfied? Satisfied can be a different, difficult question than just being full. When confronted by the problem of so many people to feed, the disciples become blinded by everything that they do not have. Even a year's wages would not be enough to begin to address this need. But rather than becoming fixated on all they do not have, Jesus asks them the simple question. What do you have. What are the resources that you have at your disposal that can make a difference and address the need? Sometimes I think we lose sight of what we have 
because it is hidden behind all of those things that we long for and do not have. The ship of life founders on the rocks of unfulfilled dreams. And yet, in Jesus Christ, we see God's abundance. The food was there to feed the crowd. If only the disciples would have looked for it. I have observed in many congregations throughout the years, people who wanted to have to be to become the church of their unfulfilled and maybe unfulfillable dreams. They wanted to be the church that they used to be in 1952, when there were so many kids in the Sunday school that they had to build Caldwell Hall. Or they wanted it to be the church around the corner, the one that seems to be doing so much better than we are with the rock band and all of the light show. And in wanting to be something that they're not, they stop taking account of all of the things that they have that they can use in mission. St. James was a church that had a vibrant sense of mission. It wasn't a big church. It was fairly small. It had a little unassuming building on the side of the road that if you were going by at any faster than 75 kilometers an hour and the speed limit was 80, you probably missed. They, but they, and they supported all the usual things. They supported Presbyterian sharing and PWSND. But one of the things that they did was to support the local food bank. And they had an active food bank ministry. It was easy. It was simple. It made so much sense when I heard about it. I wasn't quite sure why nobody ever did this before. How did they do it? One can at a time. It was a simple methodology. Each week as the families of the congregation went out and did their shopping, they bought one extra thing for the food bank. One can of soup. One jar of peanut butter. But one can of soup a week is four items a month. And if everybody bought four items a month, then every month the food bank bin was filled and someone had to take a trip to the food bank. Was everybody giving a bin load of food? No. One. But in that one, there was abundance. Or Knox Church. Knox Church was like many congregations. They once had had a vibrant kids' ministry, so much so that they had to have two different rooms for the little ones. A nursery room with cribs, and then... A, another room for the for the toddlers, the ones who were preschool, but not quite in cribs anymore. But over the years, like many congregations, they had seen a decrease in their young families with kids as the children aged, and they were starting to see difficulties. 
the nursery care that had once been so important and the little children, now eh, there were many weeks when there wasn't a child in the nursery at all. At one point, it started, it was being provided simply by the parents of the young children who might possibly take part in the nursery care. And that old piece of bad church advice was found around Knox Church from time to time. Well, if they want it, they can run it. Because when we had kids, we ran it. Terrible advice. Just going to say that. Because that is a sentence that says we as a congregation do not care about children. When you become an adult, we'll start to worry about you. But not for children. But then something happened. Then, they, one year, they started looking at the leading with care policies. And they discovered that they needed more people to be involved in the nursery care. Because nursery was to have two people every week. And so, they started recruiting more people. They screened them and they trained them. And for a few months, it was a struggle. Often there would be weeks when the adults would still go up. There would be two adults in the nursery, but there wouldn't be a child. But every now and then, one of the small children in the congregation would show up and the program would be there for them. But then, but then a new family moved into town and they had two young boys. And so then there were two. And on the occasional Sundays when somebody else showed up, there might be three. Then another family with young children started attending the church. Then we were at three and maybe four. And then another. And we were at five and maybe six. And soon the murmuring started happening around the church that, you know, there's not enough room in the nursery for all these kids. A far cry from where they had been just a year before. And I know what you're thinking. I know what you're thinking. Coincidence? Maybe. Or maybe, maybe it is God's blessing being showered upon that congregation. Because when they use what God had given them in God's service, good things happen. And the same is true in our own personal lives as well. We can all have those days when we throw up our hands and feel that the world might be against us and we may feel downtrodden, we may feel our dreams haven't been realized, our longings have not been met. The world around us, you see, is built on this philosophy of scarcity. Its message is more, buy more, spend more, build more. Earn more. Whatever you have isn't good enough. But God's theology is of abundance. And it asserts that God has given to us everything that we need. It's up to us to take and to use those things that God has given us so that we can give God glory. And that we can see 
God's abundance in what we have and not the scarcity of what we don't have. Jesus' disciples come to him on that day and they say to him, what are we to do? How are we going to feed all of these people? Nothing that we can throw at this problem is going to be enough. And Jesus gently looks at his disciples and says, wrong answer. The answer is not, or wrong question. The question is not, what will it take to do this? But what do we have to make a difference now? That is the question for all of us. But it starts with that one strange little word in the middle of the text. Satisfied. Are we satisfied? Do we believe in a God who is abundant. And if we do, then we can move forward to see how what we have addresses the needs of the world. Thanks be to God. Amen.